0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, May twenty 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Once a human rights attorney opposing Zimbabwe's Mugabe regime at great personal risk, David Coulthard has been since 2009 a minister in Zimbabwe's new power-sharing government. He serves as Minister of Education, Sport, Arts and Culture and hopes to help Zimbabwe transition to a functioning democracy. We spoke yesterday. You're in a fairly unique position, I think being somebody who has been an opponent of the Mugabe government in a very high-profile way, transitioning into a position within that government, what is that like? It's been very difficult. I often
1: question uh, whether I've done the the right thing, uh, especially from the perspective of being a human rights lawyer and knowing that uh, crimes against humanity have been committed and and that through entering into this I lessen the chances of those responsible for that ever being prosecuted. And on top of that, uh, of course, um, many of those responsible for these crimes in the past haven't changed their ways. Even though they've been given this opportunity to redeem themselves, they continue to act in in a manner that uh, uh, hampers the transition to to democracy and greater transparency in, in society. But what has kept me in this, what got me into it in the first place and what has kept me in this process is the understanding that it remains the only viable, nonviolent option for our country. In 2008, prior to us entering into this arrangement, the country was de- degenerating at a horrifying pace was lurching towards a Liberian or Somalian type of situation of of being a a failed state. And we avoided that by entering into this agreement. And I think for so long as we keep this process going, we uh, keep the possibility of of transforming the nation. It's not as quick as I'd hoped, but I think ultimately we'll move it towards...
0: uh, a more democratic state. Given how food is distributed within Zimbabwe and how power tends to go hand in hand with that food distribution, I have heard people argue that uh, Robert Mugabe is in some sense a captive of the military. That is, uh, how he directs the government uh, is very cognizant of the fact that this is his tool for exercising power, and therefore uh, he and the military are essentially captives of each other in a sense. Is that fair?
1: I I think that they're mutually interdependent um, in in the sense that uh, Robert Mugabe can't survive politically uh, without the, the raw power of the military behind him, and the military can't survive in the region without the fig leaf of civilian power. So to that extent, there's that mutual dependence. Um, ho- however, I don't think that uh, one can say that uh, Robert Mugabe uh, is completely subservient to, to the military.
0: You were asked recently about whether or not uh, Robert Mugabe is a sadist, and you said he is not. You said that he is an ideologue. Can you describe how being an ideologue uh, affects how he does what he does?
1: Well, I think it, it depends on whether certain policies are an end in themselves. And, and sometimes we we see some, in history, some dictators, uh, the Nazis in particular, did medical experiments that, that really didn't further their their cause that much. It, it seemed to me that they're there was something seriously bent in, in their entire psychological makeup. Whereas Robert Mugabe is an ideologue, I think he's driven by that rather than sadism for sadism's sake. Uh, and he justifies everything he, he does uh, because he's rooted in the, the apartheid era and the, the era of, of oppression uh of of the 1950s 1960s and 1970s and he's never stopped fighting that that battle that's not to justify what he does but it just explains it and uh, as i've said often he's such a curious mix because on the one hand he does terrible things uh in in the pursuit of these policy goals and yet he does on occasions appear to have remorse for the methods used in in achieving that political goal.
0: The United States provided a great deal of government-to-government aid to Zimbabwe during uh, what I think are appropriately called very dark times for the people in that country. What should be the U.S. policy towards Zimbabwe today?
1: At the outset, let me say that I understand the skepticism that uh, the current administration has uh, towards this arrangement. It is a fragile arrangement. We have the military lurking behind the scenes. Uh, They have access to diamond uh, proceeds and they threaten to disrupt this process at at any time. And I think because of that, they've adopted a very conservative approach. Their approach has been until Robert Mugabe goes, uh, we're not going to engage uh, this, this arrangement. Whilst I as I say, understand that, that approach. I do believe it's wrong. Uh, I, I think that uh, whether we like it or not, uh, Robert Mugabe is there, the military are, are there, and that the irony for me is that by disengaging, we actually play into the hands of, of the hardliners who want to break this agreement, and they, they will use any means to, to break it. And, of course, if we fail uh, on delivery in improving the health of people, improving the education of, of people, the hardliners point to that to say that that we are incompetent, that we can't can't deliver, and they use that to justify why uh, it is important that they retain power. So my view is that the policy needs to change, that there needs to be an engagement. It it can be done in a structured way and and a conservative way. Uh, but I I believe that uh, we we have to support the moderates and I'm not just talking about the moderates in the MDC. I'm also talking about moderates within Robert Mugabe's party within ZANU-PF who understand that this is going to give them a new political lease on, on life and that there can be life after a transition to democracy and they are supportive of, of the process. But at present, the American administration, the U.S. administration, appears to be using far too broad a brush in application. It needs to, to uh, use a bit more finesse. To be specific, I think sanctions need to go. They've, uh, they're have beyond their sell-by date. Uh, they are being used in a very cynical way by hardliners to excuse um, their past failures and to to justify their failure to implement uh, current aspects of of the GPA.
0: You're not the only opposition uh, person in this uh, power-sharing government. Uh, Morgan Changarai is as well. What do you see as his outlook or or his uh, position on how this government needs to move forward to transition uh, toward a functioning representative democracy?
1: I I think that we have a common view. I I don't think that on the the major issues that we uh, disagree at at all. He he believes that this process needs to continue, needs to be encouraged by the international community, that we need a new constitution, uh, that we need uh, new electoral laws, that we need to open up the media, and then we need to hold uh, fresh elections, which uh, attain a much higher democratic standard than any we've had before. And then uh, a new government will be formed on the basis of those elections and the country can take a significant step forward.
0: A lot of government metrics are thrown around for uh, educational attainment and a lot of those are, are simply false. Uh, they trust governments to self-report a great deal of, of that kind of information. Where are international comparisons just getting it wrong uh, with regard to Zimbabwe and, and what, what should be uh, the move forward to improve education within that country?
1: Well, on the first part of your question, uh, we've had a huge debate in Zimbabwe because the UNDP two years ago released uh, statistics stating that uh, we have the highest literacy rates in Africa. And and whilst there's no doubt that we have very high literacy rates in Africa, I studied the report and believed that the basis on, on which it was developed was faulty. It was based on attendance figures and attendance in school doesn't translate necessarily into literacy when you don't have teachers in the classroom and textbooks that uh, children can use. So I question that. I've been criticized within the country uh, for questioning it, but the, the raw data that I get myself differs from, from that. So I think that one, one cannot just assume that these international bodies have, have accurate or current uh, data. What needs to be done? Well, clearly education needs to be made a much higher priority by Zimbabweans themselves. One of the debates I've had is that we're not applying sufficient of our own resources to, to education. I think a, a key element uh, in transforming education in Zimbabwe is to devolve as much power down to schools at, at a local level. There's been far too much centralized control of education One of the reasons why Zimbabwe historically has had a very strong education system is because there's been a a very high parental involvement. And we need to to continue that and
0: and expand it. David Coulthard is a minister in the government of Zimbabwe. We spoke yesterday. You can read more about development and civil society in Africa at our website, cato.org.